Good, good. I'm so glad to see all of you uh, joining us today. I, I am, uh, I look around the room and I'm excited about what God is going to do today and just to see so many faces and excited about next service and then I'm excited when we get that paid in full receipt and I may bust out a Pentecostal jig like the world has never seen. All right. We have been in a series started last week, and I really spoke from my heart last week, and if I were honest with you, last week I was a tad nervous, because I got really honest last week. How many of you were here last week? Yeah, good, good. I'm glad you came back. <laughs> I thought last week I was, this week I'm trying to feed the sheep, last week I think I skinned them a little bit. But I just spoke from my heart last week about how the church in 2022 can almost become so cool and powerless, can become so, can become so professional that we've become domesticated. And we talked about the danger of a domesticated church that we were not meant to be in the yard. We were meant to, to take, we were meant to take ground. We were meant to be aggressive. We were meant to, uh, to take the kingdom into the world and see people's lives changed and saved. And, and we're not supposed to be hiding in our little building. We were meant to be untamed. Somebody say amen. But I want to go a little further. This series is kind of birthed out of the book of Acts. And I'm going to be talking for the next few weeks through stories of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the documentation of the first century church. It is our blueprint, I believe, that we are to look to to see how the church in 2022 is to operate. Are you with me? And I talked last Wednesday on our live stream that you can go back and watch. But we talked about the four fundamentals to an untamed church. And we talked about prayer and, the, and, and a Jesus-focused church. And we talked about several things. But and out of the book of Acts, and I'm just going to continue that conversation out of Acts chapter number two. Let me give you a little context uh, before I read it. Acts chapter number one, Jesus tells his disciples, don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. He says, you need, when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And then he lets them know that, oh, then he ascends, the Bible says. And then Acts chapter two, the Bible says, on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, there's about 120 people gathered in what they call the upper room. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes like as a fire. And the scripture lets us know that when the Holy Spirit descends, that's the birth of the church. That is the beginning of what we're doing right now. And so what you find in Acts chapter two, verse 38 and 39, this, this conversation after this Holy Spirit manifestation takes place, there are onlookers observing what's going on. And they said, well, well Peter preaches, and, and they're just, what, what should we do? He, he just preached an incredible three-minute sermon. And they said, well, what do we need to do? And he said this in verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the, for the promise is for you and for your children. On the day of Pentecost, Peter is letting us know that to really be a New Testament church, you need to repent. You need to be baptized in water, and you need the Holy Spirit in your life. But there's an ending part of the next, or beginning part of the next verse, ending part we just read, that people can bypass real quick, and it's simply the line, this promise is to you and your children. I like that the writer Luke makes sure that he wrote that down. That he wanted to let us know that the move of God that you're seeing here today is not meant to stay with one generation. I want to submit to you today my very first point, and it, though it is broad, it is where we are anchoring down today. An untamed church 
has generational thinking. You must understand that every generation in a church has value. That the Bible teaches us that he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three different generations, three different mentalities, three different experiences. And there are times, I believe, that the church can limit its effectiveness and can become domesticated when it chooses to only focus on a particular generation. So when you look, sometimes you'll find great churches, well-meaning men and women of God doing, doing what they do. But you go and it is only a church for really old people. And if you're really old today, we love really old people. But the, the song selection, the style, and there's nothing wrong with it. Somebody say amen. amen. But, and I love hymnals. In fact, I have a bunch, I'm kind of becoming a collector of hymnals. My wife was at a, a, a thrift store here recently and I got me a First Baptist Church from Columbus, Mississippi hymnal. I got one. I don't know if any of you want it, but I'm charging you for it, but I want it. It's in my office back. I just love hymnals. I love that old church. I, I come from that. And I'm, I'm appreciative of that generation. Well, however, some great, well-meaning churches seem to just kind of get stuck. And they, though that approach may have worked for a season, it's hard to connect to Jacob's and Isaac's. While there are Isaacs coming up, going to work in our community, Isaacs are coming up and voting now. Isaacs are people that need to be reached. Now, do not misunderstand me. I believe, and there are churches in our community that have senior citizens ministry. We have, an older, we have older small groups that specifically reach to that age. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking more in the macro section, like the seating, like the macro version, not micro. I'm talking about just when we're all gathered. Are you still with me? that maybe just could be a little more heavy on one generation. And the same is true that you can get a younger church with a younger pastor that has no ability to reach an older generation, right? So they're just, it's all about being cool and it's all about being edgy and it's all about being fresh and it's all about being current. And yes, that's true because we got to reach Isaac, but you do not have to throw Abraham out. Did you hear what I just said? Well, God tossed Abraham's out because Isaac's are now the primary financial uh, giving units in a church. Am I talking to anybody? We're talking about untamed church. This is a really raw series that a lot of times churches will focus on who has the biggest giving per capita. Whoa, I just said it on a Sunday morning. When a healthy, effective, spirit-empowered church knows how to design a service and build a ministry that reaches Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Am I talking to anybody? And I have to just say thank you because there are individuals in our church, and we are a more, like, you know, we're a younger church, I know that. And, uh, but when I look around the room, there are people in this room that I could acknowledge today that have made concessions. Many of you could even be younger. I talked to a guy who was probably 40 the other day, 35, 32, and he was just saying that he grew up in a certain style of church and coming to Vibrant was a lot different. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You come to Vibrant, it's a little different what you grew up in. And, and I just gotta say thank you to many of you that have made concessions to your preferences. to reach a generation that oftentimes we misunderstand each other, right? Well, when I was a kid, I walked, it never snowed a day in Mississippi in your life, but I walked four days in the snow to get to school. I get it. We all come from a different generation and, and we oftentimes misunderstand each other, but the house of God should be a place where you see Abraham's, Isaac's, and Jacob's. We are better together. We need one another. Am I talking to anybody? 
However, in addition to all that I just said, I'm thankful for our more our retirement age and older people in our room, our seasoned people that attend our church. You mean the world to us. And just because I'm younger, I want you to hear me today that you know statistics say that the church pastor reaches 10 years his elder or 10 years his junior. Just so you know, we're about to have a bunch of 10-year-olds run around our church. I'm 32 years old, just in case you're wondering. But we are, our age group will naturally gravitate toward the age of the pastor. That's what I love about our church. I believe in just being old on the inside, even though you're young on the outside. And while you're getting old on the outside, stay young on the inside. Am I talking to anybody? But it is important for us to understand to invest in the future generations have to be, has to be one of our greatest investments we can make. It's true as a nation, isn't it? Right now, our, our national debt, $30 trillion. $30 trillion. They, 10 years ago, if you spent 500, if you spent $5 million a day, 10 years ago to pay off our national debt, it would take you somewhere along the lines of 600 years to pay off what it was 10 years ago. And it's almost doubled, just so you know, pandemic and whatever decisions have been made. But I want you to hear me today. That is not generational thinking. Somebody eventually has to figure this stuff out. It's the same way with your family. If you, with those of us with children, if we live our lives not thinking about the next generation coming up, we're gonna not raise really healthy people <laughs> if it's all about what we want and it's all about what we like and we never ever lean into the, the development of our children, the development of the next generation, then we're gonna have some problems in the future and the same is to be said in the house of God. Every generation, hear me, if every generation in God's church has to start over, you do not create traction or momentum. But if every generation thinks generationally, they can leave a legacy that empowers and positions the future generation to go further and do more for Christ. Am I, am, are you hearing what I'm saying today? We, uh, we can go through our choices that many of us have made in here today maybe go through your life or maybe look in the past in your family's life and realize that the choices they made then affect who we are now. And the, you need to know the choices we make now is gonna affect who they are then. I want to just spar us on today that we are a generational-minded church, that we understand what I'm saying. And I'm just trying to, just, just work your heart a little bit for a moment that, that it is important for you and I to become intentional about the next generation in our homes, in our country, in our church. Can I get a big amen? So I've come up with three easy steps that I believe will help impact the next generation. Peter lets us know that this promise, this move of God has to be transitioned from you and it has to go to your children. So we're gonna talk today for the next few minutes three things that I believe impact the next generation for Christ. This is how we pass it on. This is how we think generationally. Are you ready? Number one, we have to show them. This, is, this sounds easy, but this is complicated. I'm talking to parents and grandparents and coaches and guardians and youth leaders and uncles and cousins because it takes a village to, to raise the next generation. And we have to understand that the way we live could be a stepping stone for the next generation or a stumbling block for the next generation that holds them back. Our attitudes, our words will impact the next generation after us. And by far, there is nothing more impacting on a child than an example. 
What we are doing today has the potential to create hardship or blessing for the next generation. Our choices now affect the next generation later. I remember uh, when my son was born and a few months later he got a virus and um, he couldn't keep his stomach, uh, couldn't keep anything on his stomach so he's, he's, he was actually uh, always throwing up and so he became dehydrated and became very sick, lost a lot of weight and we had to take him to Akron Children's Hospital which is our children's hospital, one of the best in the nation and, and up to Akron Children's Hospital. And so for about a week, you know, these wonderful doctors are monitoring, but when it's your first kid, just so you know, you're losing your mind. Now that we got two kids, I'm like, ah, she'll be all right. But you have no idea what to be afraid of. This is the first time you've ever done anything like this. And I remember our son, he was so thin and puny looking, I was freaking out take him to Akron Children's Hospital. I remember I called mom and dad and mom and dad wanted to come up and see him. And, and I'll never forget that, that my mom and dad walked into the hospital. First, my mother was there about an hour before my dad. And my mom walked in. She didn't bring uh, coffees, which is fine. She didn't bring a change of clothes, which is fine. She didn't bring us dinner. My mom walked in. She didn't, I remember this clear as day. The woman didn't say, hello, how you doing? How you doing, dad? She walked right over to my son, put her hands on my baby, and said, in the name of Jesus, we pray healing and life and wholeness. And come on, somebody. About 60 minutes later, my dad walks in, if you knew my dad, he don't care who's around and what's happening. He has the worst social awareness of any man on the planet. He walks in and he's got this big gospel hairdo. It's six inches up. My dad's only like 5'11", but he looks 6'5", you know. He walks in with this big gospel hair. Like I said, he looks like Colonel Sanders and Kenny Rogers had a baby. He walks in. And he didn't say hello. He didn't give us coffee. He didn't bring a change of clothes. He walked right over to Judah Paul and he said, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Father, touch his little body in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful I grew up seeing it. I saw it. When I was a little baby, I was trying to die for 10 days with the lung collapsed. I went to Akron Children's Hospital too. And my father and my mother, they begin to pray. And now, as I get older, I'm just so thankful that I lived in a home where I just got to see it. You just got to see. You got to show us. I'm thankful I grew up in a time with my parents that they just prioritized talking about God and loving God and his spirit. I heard my dad speak in tongues so much, we didn't know what language to use in the yard. I'm thankful the Bible says that he has made a covenant with us that goes with you into a thousand generations. We have to show the next generation. We have to reveal to them the power of God working inside of us. They got to see it through us. That if we're prayerless, they'll be prayerless. That if, they're not, if you're not committed to the house of God, what you do in moderation, they do in excess. If we're not committed, they won't be committed. If we, if we don't let love and joy and peace and, 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 and patience work through us, you, you better believe it's not going to be as easy for them when it's their turn to be functioning adults in society. They need to see a good work ethic. They need to see a loving mom and a loving father. They need to see things. The impression of faith needs to just, just do something on the inside of them that makes a long-lasting legacy impression. I don't know your story today, but is there anybody thankful for a praying grandma and a mom that went to church and an uncle that prayed for you? I don't know everybody, but there's somebody in this room that if it wasn't for your daddy dragging you to church, you wouldn't be here today. And now you, you complain when you were a kid, and now you're coming to church and dragging your complaining kids, but you know, just like my daddy and mama showed me, I'm gonna show them because the Bible says I gotta pass this thing to the next generation. Can I get a big amen, somebody? 
talking to Ronnie Harrington this week. He's back. I see him in the blue shirt up there about third from the top. His father, every, often he told me I ate with his sister and him today or the other day. And he told me that often his father would go into the mountains in the Smokies. And if you've ever talked to Ronnie, he's got a Smokies something coming out of his mouth. He's the most Southern man in the world. I love this man. But he goes up, uh, his father would go up when he was a little boy, he would see his father go up to the mountain to pray. And when he would go to the mountain to pray, he would take a rock and he would stack it in a pile. And so for years, his father would go to that mountain and just put a rock. And he said, one day he's gonna go back. He's gonna try to find that stack of rocks. That's a monument because Ronnie's here today, hear me, because he had a praying father and, and a family that just showed him the power of consistency of faith. Now you may not come from, some of you could clap on that, some of us can't clap on that. Because not everybody comes from a legacy or a heritage of faith. But you can start. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You may not have come down from the line of faith and heritage of the Spirit, but you can begin a new thing in your family. And let me be the first to congratulate you today. If there's anybody in this room, you are a first-generation Christian in your family. Will you raise your hand? First-generation Christian. Thank you, thank you. Look at those hands. Look at those hands. Congratulations. You lead the charge. You raise your kids. You read that Bible, and you show the next generation that what used to run in the family don't run no more. We started a new bloodline, and in the name of Jesus, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Psalm 78, 4 says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. We gotta show them. The next thing I find in scripture is that we need to, we need to send them. Everybody say send them. We, in normal life and day-to-day operations of raising a family or we, we send our kids to things. We send our kids to school. Uh, we send our kids to mission trips. We send our kids to piano lessons. We send them to a lot of things because it's good for the development of a child or a teenager to have external influences that are positive to lead them down the path. My son right now, he's in, he's in karate. And his instructor, who's a great man, has helped. I noticed how Judah has changed his posture around that man. Just respect. Judah's five years old. I watched Judah respect that man so differently. That man was instructing him. Say, yes, sir. Say, no, sir. And my son, yes, sir. Please don't kill me, sir. (laughs) It is healthy for your students and your kids to be in an environment of peers and positive influences that are trying to go the right direction. Because you can't just pastor your family on your own. Did you hear what I just said? We have every single week a functioning, fully stocked. We have people who have had background checks. We have security all over this facility, but especially concentrated in our kids' area, that every single week, right now we're running about 300 kids a weekend in here. Just wanna let you know that we want your kids to hear the gospel of Jesus, hear about the presence of God at an age that they can understand it. I wanna encourage you, when you stay home or you watch online, you may get fed, but they're starving to death. This is too rough. You guys, I'm untamed, I'm untamed. Somebody come get me. (laughs) We have student ministry every single week, every Wednesday night, where you can send your student to be a part. Pastor Josiah leading up our next gen and overseeing our young adults and students and and in a way oversight of our kids. And Leslie and the team do a great job. Everybody works so hard because we're just trying to reach the next generation because he said, this move of God, it can't be restricted to Abraham's alone. 
You got to get this thing to Jacob's and Isaac's. It's for your children to a thousand generations. We got to get this thing out. So we work hard. One thing we have coming up, just to let you know about, we have our kids' conference coming up. It's going to be at the end of the month, June 27th to the 29th. If you have a kid, I want to encourage you to get that kid registered online. You can go to the guest service areas. But if you do not have your kid registered, my kid's going to be there. We're going to have a good time in just reaching children for Jesus. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Jesus said, don't forbid the children to come to me. Another thing we have up, just letting you know, that we have a youth Summit coming up, something we've never done. It's gonna be in July 27th, I think, through the 30th. I wanna encourage you to come be a part of that. If you're a parent of a teenager, let them know, like, hey, listen, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I don't know any other details other than what I just said, but it's gonna be a lot of fun for teens because we have to. We're mandated. You understand? We're, this is not a suggestion of what I'm talking about. We, we can't just hold on to our our revelation and we get it and then then we like church for the adults you know let, let me say this and this may be a little risky but I believe what I'm going to say is that there are people who pick churches just based on what how it feels for the adults and they're like well I love the preaching and, and that's good you need a good preacher it preaches the word of God and 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 well I, I just love the building well that's good but just so you know the building's not a trophy right a building not a trophy the building's a tool for the kingdom. So, so, so you can pick buildings or churches that feel really good for the adults, but you also need to think of the next generation and how do they do their student program, their young adults program, their kids program. I would, and I mean this, I would much rather take subpar preaching and know my kids are in good student ministry and kids ministry all day, all day. Because that matters to me. Because I need somebody to come alongside me and help me parent and pastor and love and influence my family. Now, there's a warning here. Warning with this one particular that for the most impact, we, sending has to be matched with showing. If you're just sending and not showing, it's, it's lost its strength. Because the foundation is at home. Sending is secondary to what's primary, and that's home. When we do it at home, what we do next is we also send them. I'm just encouraging you today. We send them because I've been a youth pastor for years, and I've learned really quick that parents want you to do in 45 minutes when they have them for like 100 hours a week and they think we're like magicians and your kid's all screwed up and you think I can just be like abracadabra in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're not depressed no more. No, 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 you gotta show them at home and we gotta send them to events and get them in an environment that is good and healthy and stirring and moving them forward to the things of God. The last and final thing I wanna show you is this, is that we have to sow into them. We have to sow into them. Now, I, I need you to hear my heart today for a few minutes that we need to sow into, into them. I, I guess a good place to start would be, I, I need to take you back in time for a moment. Can I do that? Let me take you back in time for a moment. This church is about 41 or 42 years old. I don't know the exact date it started. This church is, has been here a while. And when we talk about sowing into them, I need to take you back through the history, but really just one particular area. There's a lot of people we could honor. There's a lot of people we could give notice to. And there's been a lot of hands that have helped build what we're in today, but I need to take you really far back. I'm not talking five years. I'm not, I'm not talking 10. I, I'm talking 41 years. 41 years. This church was began by a couple named Jesse and Barbara Ray. These, this power couple came to the realization that God had spoke to them to start a church. 
in Columbus, Mississippi. And when it began, they, they, they just began to gather people around. And I, I actually have in my possession something that I, I absolutely treasure. Somebody gave this to me. This is back from 1981. This is their first giving campaign, stewardship campaign, if you will, to build the original building on this property. The original building is where your kids, if they're a little older, are in that back room. If you go down there and check your kids out today, there's a large room. That was the original sanctuary to this facility where this church started on 500 Holly Hills Road. It actually started elsewhere on 45, moved to this property. They brought me this book and I, and I, I began to look in it and I was amazed by a couple things. Here, here's, here's a couple things. Let me, go, go to the next one for me. Go to the next one for me, guys. Here, here's the beginning. Um, first meeting place in, uh, uh, what? Yeah, what they said. Columbus Evangel Assembly of God Church held its first meeting February 8th. Under the name of Northside Assembly of God, the services were conducted in rented space located at Props Park. That S should have been before that P or something. That ain't making no sense. Services consisted of Sunday morning and Sunday school and Sunday morning and evening worship conducted by brother and sister Ray. Those first services were attended by approximately 150 people. Three weeks later, a more suitable location was rented from a A.P. Miller on Highway 45 where we hope to remain until a permanent structure is built. Now, this is coming from this book I hold in my hand. Down on the bottom, you can see a temporary church building on Highway 45. Um, charter members. Okay, I, I, let me talk about those charter members. These are the people that originally started the church. I, I don't know if we have a name of them or anything, but maybe, do we have something else, guys? I don't know. Is that it? Let, let me show you. There's, there's a list of the original people who started this church. This is in this book. I want to show you just a couple names, a couple names in here real quickly. There's a, there's a, uh, well, Lindsay, you put it in here and you, you're fired. <laughs> let me show you, let me show you. This name right here, I don't know if you can see that name right there, John Knight. John Knight is still a member of this church. Where are you, John? Will you stand for me, John? Thank you. There's Shirley Thomas. Are you here? Is Shirley Thomas? There she is. 1941. Dave Forstner, is that how you say it? Where are you at, Dave? There he is, up there in that corner. Been here all those years. Been here since the start. And I wanna show you, go to that first page. This is my favorite part right here. This page blew my mind. Dear members and friends of Evangel, this is the first opening page of, from Pastor Jesse. He said, he's talking about what Jesus said in John chapter four, verse 35, look up and you'll see the harvest. Look and see the field that's white and ready to harvest. But look down here, he says, our desire, the last, second to last paragraph, our desire is not to build a beautiful and great monument alone, but a place of worship where many sons and daughters can hear the message of salvation and be born into the kingdom of God. That was their vision. And I gotta say this, I can't go on anymore, I feel. <laughs> I called, I called Barbara Ray. I said, will you do me a favor? Will you and Mr. Ray come to church on Sunday? And on the back row right there in front of the soundboard, if you will please wave, would you please honor Mr. Jesse and Barbara Ray? For their years and year, for their years of service in the kingdom of God in starting Evangel 
church in 1981. giving them a big lunch today. We got a big gift basket for them today. We love them. We honor you. Thank you for the starting work. The very beginning. The verse they use, John chapter 4 says, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. This was the verse in this book. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You need to hear me, Mr. and Mrs. Ray. You have sowed, we have reaped, and we rejoice together. We rejoice together. We love you. We love you. Yes, sir. Can I go a little further? I said, can I go a little further? Now, what many of you probably didn't see this whole service. Can Can I show it to you? Follow me. You didn't see this this whole service. You didn't see, most of you didn't see this sitting here this chair way over here in the dark way over here in obscurity over just kind of hidden in a corner it doesn't look like much but I need you to go with me to 1981 where Jesse and Barbara Ray began this work and they gathered a generation of people and said we got to build a church and Columbus, Mississippi. We got to do this. We we got, he said, we got to build something for the sons and the daughters that are coming. The the generation, the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jay, they're they're coming and we got, we got to sow. And the verse they used was to, to look at the harvest. It's white and ready to be harvested. Just like with the cotton fields here, turning beautiful white. He's saying it's why it's ready. It's ready. And what they did, they sparred their people on at the time to see something that they could not see. They challenged their people to give into something that they could not see. Hundreds of people couldn't see. But hear me, they could see it. <laughs> they, they couldn't see it on, on the outside, but they could see something with the eyes of faith. What, what do you mean, Pastor? Then what, what, did they, what did they see? What did they? Let me show you what they saw. Let me show you what they saw. Go ahead. Let me show you what they saw. They, they kept seeing a generation. And they kept seeing baptisms. And they kept seeing individuals. And they kept seeing teenagers. And they kept seeing lives changed. And and they kept believing that that people are gonna get baptized in water. And they kept believing that we're gonna do something great for the kingdom of God. And they just kept believing it. And way back, way back here, where no one ever thought anything, any of just a little church in Columbus, Mississippi. But God knew that if I could find a generation that was willing to sow into what they could not see, it will go on for a thousand generations. If I could just get somebody to believe in what is next, I could do something. Oh, am I preaching to anybody? Anybody thankful that he's a God of generation. He's a God of Abraham and Isaac and Jake. We need every chair sowing into the next chair. They could see it coming and 
Even though Barbara Ray and Jesse Ray and those great people and John Knight who sat in my office with tears running down his face, Kirk, talking about the days of old, as he told me, he said, I want to see it again, Pastor Ethan. And he looked at me, he goes, I'm, I'm seeing something that vibrant I haven't seen in years. It's because somebody sowed and was willing way back in time, before 10 years, nine years before I was born, Somebody started. This stage is too big. Stay standing. You know, here we are. Here we are. All the way right here. We haven't even thought about that chair that whole service. We haven't even thought about the beginning of this church in months, years. When's the last time you heard it said? But we are here today because of something they saw then. They sowed into what they could see, even though they could not see. I think that's where the enemy is getting us is because of our immediate gratification. That we don't think, when you have $30 trillion debt, you're not thinking of the next. Let that not be so in the house of God. Let that not be so with our children and our grandchildren, that, that we're going to think about the future that I'm going to invest into something. Hear me today. I've invested into real estate. Well, many people have invested into stocks. Can I tell you where you get a hundredfold return investing into the kingdom of God? So my challenge for you today is this, and you can stay standing. So where you cannot see. So where you cannot see. When you help us pay off two and a half million dollars, Pat, you know what that does? I mean, you'd know. It frees up the next generation. I heard this story this week of the very first ticket that went into Disney World was Walt Disney's brother, Roy. And he had walked through it, as many of you may not know, that Walt died before the park was completed. He never walked in the park. And on opening day, Roy is walking with a colleague, and the colleague looks at Roy and says, it's a shame that Walt's not here to see this. And Roy looked back at him and said, it's because he saw it that we're here today. He may not see it with his eyes right now, but he saw it in his he saw it in his spirit back here. And I just want to say to people like John Knight and Barbara Ray and Jesse Ray and, and all these individuals, I just need you to know that you have sowed and we have harvested and we rejoice together. But you need to hear me, church. It's our turn to sow. We have to. We have to. So I need you to do me a favor. I want you to be seated. And I want, I really want to encourage you for a moment. I want everyone to participate in this moment. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. It just says our connection card. That's okay. I want you to pull that. There's a prayer corner. We got pens in every row. There's a little prayer slip at the bottom. Just bring the whole card. You can write all over that card, by the way. Whatever you need to. I want you to write down a prayer request on that card. Because I want you to hear me today. This is what I want you to hear. I believe what God starts doing in his house. And if you help him make it happen in his house, he'll make something happen in your house. I want you to write down prayer requests. Maybe it's a generational prayer. My son moving to Florida to be in the ministry. What an amazing blessing, by the way. That, that is a thousand generation move right there. I want you to write down prayer requests. I'll give you just a few minutes. What do you need God to do? 
Maybe it's your son, maybe it's your daughter, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your business. In an atmosphere of faith like you feel right now, this is the time to pray. Just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes. If you're done writing, you can stand right where you are. We're getting ready to sow into the next generation. And if you're not writing anything, that's okay. You can join us in standing. for just some reverence for the next few moments. I ask that no one leaves. Normally when we're wrapping up, people will start leaving like, like every other church is gonna get to church's chicken. What have we got down here? Like Zaxby's faster than us. Like, it's okay, it's okay. Did you just stay with me for a minute? People have sowed into this church. It's our time, it's our time to sow. Many of you have sowed online already. Many of you have sowed into, uh, like through the weeks my wife and I have been giving since we've been starting. Many people I've talked to are waiting to today. But here's what I need every person. If you wrote something on that card, if you have your physical gift, that's fine. We have our offering buckets right up in the front today. There will be two people. There will be people stationed at the doors on your way out for VIP cards or gifts that you didn't get up here to give. But I want you to do me a favor. I wanna just ask that you will come to the front, lay your, lay your prayer requests, us and the team, our prayer team, we're gonna pray over these this week. And I want you to lay them all over this altar and your gift, I ask that you put it in the offering plate. Can you do that for me today? At this time, you can come, you can come. At you, you can come. We're sowing into the next generation. We're sowing into the next generation. We're sowing into the next generation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless these finances today. We pray that you bless every single request, every single name, every single mother and daughter and son and family member. Let it be so, God. Let it be so. Let it be so. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How are you today? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. In Jesus' name. What's up, my man? Glad you're here. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Jimmy, Penny, I love you guys. Thank you so much. I love you. Thanks for being a generational thinker. How are you? It's good to see you. Hi, Mama. God bless you. I love you. Bless you. Bless you. Hey, buddy. Good to see you.
Dr. Brown. Love you, man. Rachel, <laughs> you're like, good to see you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, anybody thankful for Jesus today? A thousand generations. Do it today, God. Do it. How are you? Good to see you today. What's up, guys? Thank you so much. Hey, my man. Thank you so much. What's up? Thank you, Jesus. generational thinkers thank you for believing in the next generation I'll, I'll take that one personally you want me to I'll take it personally I'm gonna gossip whatever you wrote on here I'm telling everybody <laughs> should I read it out loud everybody just kidding come on it's a good day to be in the house of God amen I'm gonna dismiss you. Father, we thank you for this great day in your house. We thank you for the blessings that you have put in this church over the years. And we are thankful for the first chair. We're thankful for the beginning. We're thankful that they sowed into what they could not see, but they could see it. I'm thankful they saw it. And God, help us to see it and help our generation to sow into it. And the rest of this generation, that the church is going to get stronger, going to get bigger, going to get more strength, going to get, going to get vitality because somebody believed in sowing in the next generation. We believe it today. And everybody said, amen, amen. We love you, church. Have a great day. God bless you.